It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes it will. from Mississippi. That was only after she became the first African-American um, port laureate for um, the United States. Well, actually, she may not have been the first one, now that I think about it. But I know she was the first African-American port laureate for Mississippi. Good morning to you. How you doing? She's, of course, from Mississippi, uh, from this part of the world, actually, Gulfport, by way of Canada. Um, I'm not going to go to the Russian front right off the bat. I'll end up there somewhere down the line. Hmm. Got a lot to weigh in on here, folks. Uh, I think uh, conservatives, uh, uh, Trumpicans are in trouble. I'll tell you why in a minute. Of course, you wouldn't hear that from them because uh, primarily they are in this kind of dream world. Um, but first things first, I want to deal with the economy. You know, folks, I, I've been in business since Jimmy Carter was in the White House. That doesn't mean I'm an expert. Doesn't mean that I got a degree in macroeconomics by any stretch, but it's, it does mean, however, I know how to stay in business and um, I'm going to tell you <clears throat> where we are now we've not been in my lifetime we're in an incredibly interesting place uh, under any of the ordinary circumstances one would say volatile but it's not even volatile there's too much money out here <laughs> I'm going to tell you now you won't hear this on conservative talk and you probably you know won't hear it from economists but well, there's too much money out here, uh, thanks to the pandemic. And it's just got everybody kind of scratching their heads. Uh, every state right now is humming. Every state's got money in their coffers. And how did they get there? I'll tell you how it got there. Well, you know, see, um, the, um, the uh, I guess, the democratically led House and, of course, the Senate came up with uh, some $3 trillion starting with the pandemic. What? What happened then, ladies and gentlemen, was that this this country was kept from going into depression. And, you know, President Barack Obama figured that out. He really did. 2008, um, bottom fell out of the market. And, of course, uh, uh, George Bush had was you know, and, of course, conservatives believed in tax cut and spend. Tax cut and spend Republicans. I, I want you to know that's, uh, you, you see that a lot here in this state as well. Any one of you want to take issue with it, please call me. See, I remember quite well when Republicans came up with those earmarks. On the one hand, they're telling you they're cutting taxes. On the other hand, they were, boy, earmarking a lot of money to their buddies. You know what uh, conservative welfare is? The Defense Department. <laughs> Anything given with government, they'll put it under the guise of patriotism and helping the veterans and you would think with all that, going back to Newt Gingrich, we wouldn't be in trouble with the VA hospitals that we were in under one George W. Bush. Just think about it. You see, they feed you that crap all the time. Give me what Johnson said. I think you have it downstairs there, Ro. Because this is a now a good time for me to say it. I just left it on your desk. Um, but um, we're in a strange place, wonderful place. Joe Biden did not articulate it well. Most Democrats don't. You really don't. 
uh, primarily because they're under the guise that uh, maybe you good God-fearing Americans or maybe their constituents won't understand it. Actually, they don't, it's no plain talk. They want to be kind. Well, I'm not going to be kind about it. I'm telling you just the God's honest truth from a backyard, a, should I say, business person, small business person, small Negro business person. These are very interesting times. There's a lot of money out there, and if you're not getting any of it, it is your fault. Something is really, really wrong with you. I'm not kidding you. Thank you. Something's wrong with you. There's money out here. A whole lot of money in uh now to the tune of somewhere around six trillion on the streets of America. There has been a substantial investment into you good God fearing Americans. Most of that money, of course, trickles up. I'm sorry, it gushes up. I mean, who else are you gonna spend money with except rich people? I mean, they got all the goods, they got all the services, they got all the stuff, so therefore you go to <laughs> you go spend money with them and then some of you complain about it. The rich. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting babies. Well, stop having babies. And, and learn how to spend your money. I'll get into it in a minute. But Joe spent a whole lot of time. He took credit. He owned uh, inflation. That's just dumb, Joe. Let me tell you who owns inflation. Uh, conservative policies going back to damn near Ronald Reagan and this whole trickle-down concept. These folks will convince you that business... Big business is looking out for America. Ladies and gentlemen, the business of business is business. You know, I remember a dear friend of mine uh, was uh, had a contract with Clyde Davis with Jade Records. And he was supposed to go in and it, do two albums. And Jay gave him well, in excess uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, 600,000 or so. And uh, he was thinking, oh, it's his money. And his producers were thinking, oh, yeah, it's his money. They went out and spent that money. And he had developed a relationship with J.J. Like the, the, the young rapper. And it was, uh, you know, good goings on. And he was just thinking that they were on a first-name basis. He's talking to this 80-something-year-old man at the time. J.J.'s like 90-something now. Uh, 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 Clyde Davis, I'm part of me. And so uh, he just called him first name. Hey, Clyde, blah, 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 and sitting in the meetings. And so Clyde wanted to have his second album. So uh, the young rapper said, well, <laughs> I spent the money. I can't go in the studio. I spent the money. I got to get some more. I mean, we friends, aren't we? To which I paraphrase this. He said that Clyde looked at him straight with a nice little subtle grin on his face and said, son, son, it's just called show business. It's not called show friendship. Big business is not going to look out for America. International conglomerates is not going to look out for America. And you need to stop letting these stupid conservatives convince you of that. Joe should have said emphatically, the reason why we right now have inflation is because of the glut of international oil companies and they are protected by conservative talk radio. That's what he should have said. There's no reason for this. There's gouging going on. It's not even supply and demand. Folks, I'm in the stock market. I have stock in BP. I'm smart. It's not about supply and demand. You know what it is about? It is about the come. For those of you who play dice, it is about betting in Wall Street, the futures. What's going to have what's going to go up, what's going to go down? It really is about that. There's some of you can argue, well, you know, 
we didn't have a whole lot of demand when uh, everything shut down, so therefore, ooh, there was an oil glut. Well, that would be accurate. Didn't last long, did it? Sure didn't. We started driving again, and so therefore, that uh, oil was being used. It's not going to go bad. <laughs> it's it's going to sit there for three Three years ago, this bad. oil is stale. Ain't gonna have no stale oil. It's all sour. I mean, it's either good or it's not good. You know what I mean? But the point is, folks, is that the stock market has more to do with it. I mean, it really, really does. It has to do with individuals who are much bigger than Rip Daniels who are going. You know what? Hmm. I think I'll put more money into uh, into oil today. I'm talking about big folks. You know. It, first you've got the oil and then you got the refineries and then refineries realizes if they refine more oil to make gas than what is absolutely necessary <laughs> they're not going to meet meet their price point listen to me now I, if any one of you want to argue with me please call me this is about margin of profit you don't believe me just go and see how many billions <laughs> That big business is made off y'all. And big oil. They are humming. They're humming. They're humming. And no one complains. What Joe Biden should have said, they're taking us to the bank. It's glut. He should have come up with some policy to limit that. No, no, he don't have to take, he doesn't have to back out on taxes on, on gas because we need that for infrastructure. He should have said, well, immediately now we're going to institute. I'm going to put forward an institute. No more subsidies for oil companies. Yes, bro. They get all the subsidies. I mean, the government, <laughs> the government pay them just to be them. <laughs> oh, man, this is just so funny to me. You realize we buy oil for the National Oil Reserve from oil companies, international oil companies. <laughs> You know, with the oil reserves that we have just in case for national security, the, uh, Joe Biden released some of it to put it into the sort of refineries uh, could actually have more oil at a lesser price <laughs> so that the oil prices will go down. Oh, they just got us about a, you know, they're holding us just like this. I can't wait to get an electric car. I won't buy it from Elon Musk. I am not buying a Tesla, I can tell you that. Mm. I can't wait to get one. <sighs> I can't wait. But what Joe should have said was exactly what Rip Daniels is saying now. You guys don't get it. You ever wondered why conservative talk just said, oh boy, we'll be, we'll be oil independent. We'll be, we don't own any oil. We don't have socialized oil like Venezuela. These are international conglomerates here, ladies and gentlemen. Who do you think BP is? Exxon Mobil. And now... British Petroleum, isn't it? I'm just telling you, it is, it's, it's all a monopoly. You've got four huge oil companies basically influence America right now. And guess guess where the CEOs are? They have villas over in Venice and, and in Great Britain. You know? You know, BP did the oil spill here. They came up with $5 billion, $5, maybe $7 billion under President Barack Obama. said, no, you're going to pay. And so guess what? Didn't take long. That didn't happen with XL Valdez out in California. Oh, they Exxon held it. Boy, they held off and held off and held off, fought it in the courts and all that. But no, they just said, we're going to make it. they making up for that billion they gave to the, uh, to the diaspora here that was flooded with oil. Black gold, Texas tea. What I'm saying to you 
is that he should have said it. He didn't, I am. Conservatism builds themselves on profit, not people. Whenever you have business to look out for your best interest, they're going to first consider what first? People or profit? You do understand that it's profit. For those cities that utilize private business, because well, we're going to let the private companies handle our water and this and this. Listen to me. If the private companies are not making a profit, trust me on this, they won't be there. So what happens is the cities guarantee them profit, right? Just, just call your local elected official. They'll tell you that. They're guaranteeing the profit. And so therefore, that, but they're taking, they're, what the cities are not doing is taking responsibility for all the employees. Now they're private contractors and we don't have to deal with that headache. Such a headache rip, dealing with people. It's the reality of it. You know, time and time again, I've seen Democrats not want to simply point that finger and say, okay, here's what it is, because they think that you won't get it. There's been a couple that have come out and, 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 and said, okay, well, you know, big business is raping you. And that is exactly what's happening. He should have also bragged on the fact that right now, folks, let me just tell you, <laughs> our unemployment is at 3.6% and you've got people trying to sell you dread? Oh, let's just look at the stock market. Just take a look. It's down. Oh, God, it's down. Shh. Trust me, the last two years, it's been, oh, it's been out of the roof. Have those who have the 401ks understand what Rip Daniels is saying. Oh, it's down now, but I mean, it's not like, you know, over the period of your 401k over the last two years that you are losing. You ain't losing nothing, bro. I mean, we up. It's good. Oh, God. I don't care what the S&P 500 does right now. It probably will never be able to take away the gains that was made going back to 2020. You know, once, once the stock market crashed under Donald John because he lied to the American people. He lied. Stock market went as low as it could go. I'm talking past 1929. And then, of course, when Nancy Pelosi and the House came back and said, okay, you know what? We're going to come up with uh, close to $3 trillion, put it on the street. Bam. Out of the roof. Been out of the roof ever since. Right now, it's starting to ink a little bit. I'll tell you why it's inking. It's inking primarily because it's gouging. You got big oil now saying, you know what? Hmm. Man, let's keep the oil at a decent level this time. Let's not let it go all the way down to $30 a gallon. Oh, man, shoot, you know. And I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. Some of those who have stock in this also have stock. Get this now. And <laughs> conservative talk radio. iHeart, for instance, owned by investment bankers. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm in this business, I know. <laughs> Lowry Mays and, uh, and his son, who, that owned Clear Channel at the time, that ultimately became iHeart Investment Bankers. You know, broadcasters. They <laughs> weren't interested in radio. They weren't in people. They were interested in profit. And they made a big, big profit. And there are those of you who praise them for it. Oh, they must know something I don't. They don't. What they had was access to money. Oh, Donald John, he must be a billionaire. He must know something I don't. He does not. He had access to money. Admitted, my daddy gave me what, a million dollars. I'm sorry, I couldn't do my imitation of Donald John. That was a that was a brother from the hood doing the imitation. That was your brother. Yeah. That was your brother. I heard the timber in the voice. 
I knew it was oh, a brother. God. Immediately. Immediately. But you're right. I only got uh, I only got small investment from my uh, father. Do you can you do you, you can you make the orange hair an afro? No. <laughs> I didn't think you no. would. It would be it would be only on the sides. I'd be on the sides, yeah, the side is bald that George, you're covering up. George you, Jefferson? You, you flick. George Jefferson? <laughs> You're familiar with George. Yeah, you'd have a George Jefferson cut because there's no hair on top. You got to fling that on top. George Jefferson. <laughs> moving on now. Yeah, he moved into one of your villas. To your, the east side. Actually rented to the Jeffersons for, <laughs> for about. No, you did not. Years. Where do you think that building was they moved to on the east side? Do you know that you were sued that twice? That deluxe apartment in the sky. And you got them out of there when you found out that they were not the real Jeffersons, like in Jeff Davis. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Lenny Kravitz's Can't mother lived across the hall oh, there. Oh, God. It well, was a beautiful I thing. Mean, it was yes, a beautiful was. time. You couldn't tell what she was, really. She was ethnically vague. Lenny's mother? No, Lenny's mother was a black chocolate queen. That ebony goddess <laughs> who I just loved to see in the halls there. I bet you did, didn't you? I did, I did. Oh, God, you didn't grab her, though. I, bet I didn't you. grab her. I know I you wouldn't. Grab, you know why, though. You know That's why. What you know cut why. your little puffy hands you off. You know why, right? Why, why, why? because she's taller than me. Because she's taller than you. She was taller than you. Lenny Kravitz's mama is taller than in you? In heels, she was taller but than How did she get such a little Lenny? Well, I don't know. She, she <laughs> made a little Jew man. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, I don't know what why to does say. it have to be a little Jewish guy? He is. He's a Kravitz. He's a Jew. He's a Jew. Oh, God. How do I do this show every day with this guy? Well, <laughs> well. <sighs> I'm trying to do a serious discussion here about the economy. and what I'm sorry, you're talking about... Rich guys getting richer. Well, I know, and uh, poor guys getting babies, and you uh, right now are not faring very well. Uh, one more thing before I go to the actually the the slaughter of Donald John in the last elections between Nebraska and West Virginia. Yeah, I said slaughter. You'll see why in a minute. The one thing that Joe could have said was, "We need more people for jobs." That's a good thing for America. I want you to understand that. Right now, interest rates are not even close to what they were with Jimmy Carter. When I first built my first, when I built my first uh, development, you know what I paid in interest, Rob? I was right at 13% interest. 13%, double digit. And I was good because interest rates were hovering up around 15% during Jimmy Carter. Of course, that was thanks to one Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. You know, tax cut and spend Republicans do this every time. They always drive the economy into the dirt. And then blame it on the Democrats who take over. I mean, Nixon Ford did it with Jimmy Carter. He was blamed. Everybody blamed Jimmy Carter for the 55-mile-per-hour speed limit. And the Democrats let us get away with it. And, yeah, well, they don't, they, don't, they don't articulate very well. They don't come back and say, no, here is what happened. They don't, you got to say that over and over. Same thing happened with Ronald Reagan, left this country $3 trillion in the bucket. And thank goodness for the man I voted for, George Herbert Walker Bush, his vice president that became president after Ron, Ronald Reagan. He had at least the courage enough to look out for country over party and even his own, his own commitment, promise. No new taxes. He had to do taxes. And he lost one term. And, of course, he was followed by one William Jefferson Clinton who left this country for the very first time in a budget surplus. Did you hear me? Budget surplus. Pass. We were humming. We were rolling. Unemployment all time low. 
He passed a a super good economy off to George Herbert Walker. No, George Herbert Walker Bush, not George. No, George Walker Bush. That's it. Herbert Walker is his daddy, the little Bush. And he sunk the economy. He was the one who said, uh, you know, the economy is in, in danger. He was the one that passed that ball off to one, Barack Obama. I realize all in between this, the conservatives still are saying the same thing. Yeah, well, yeah, let's tax And blaming poor people, blame the poor. And poor became a synonymous with Negro. Poor, Negro. Hmm, I got a rap song there. They got to go. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, more people, the most who are on welfare in this country is Caucasians. I'm sorry, white peoples. However, I digress. The key here is, is that Democrats have to articulate the fact that we've got great, great jobs. Money is still cheap. I don't care what they look. The Federal Reserve is, uh, went up with interest rates, but we hadn't even gotten over 7 percent yet. <laughs> you know, we don't have enough trucks on the road. Uh, there's a dire need for truckers. Money still good? You still making money off of money? Yeah, money still making money. Because the interest rates are going up, that means that, of course, the deposit of certificates are going up somewhat. That's a poor way to raise money, or that's a poor man's uh, investment, really. Certificates of deposits, you know. But they, they are going up because of the fact that now that this is happening, that when you raise the interest rates, then it, it kind of helps the bond market and so forth. And look, I'm no macro macroeconomics guy, but I made a little bit money here and there. It we good. The reason why there's inflation is because we're doing too good. The reason why the interest rate is going up is because we're doing too good. We want to slow the economy down. We really are. However, constantly, every day, you're being sold this dread by news and by especially conservative talk because they don't want they are going to go into midterms. He owns this. Yeah. Hey, Joe, own all of it. Oh, yeah, the gas prices are going up. Joe, place to blame where it belongs. Conservatives who want to protect big oil. They want to protect them. They don't even want to tax them. <laughs> they want to cut the taxes on the wealthiest of the wealthy international conglomerates. And I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of first and foremost being duped, or you being duped by conservative talk BS, and why Democrats don't, don't get front and center go and take, take both responsibility and do some bragging. You know, you, you're rolling. Whether you like it or not, this is the that's the party that got, brought you through the pandemic. Literally, you remember that six hundred dollars a week, huh? You remember that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Followed by the twelve hundred, well, the twelve hundred dollars, and then the six hundred dollars, all of that. You just, uh, remember all that uh, that that uh, uh, giving you a, a break on your rent, coming back with those PPPs, forgivable loans. Ooh. You want to know why this economy is humming? And do you want to know who is responsible for that? Damn Democrats. And they're dumb only because they don't brag on it. They need to say exactly what Rip Daniels just said. You know what? Had we followed the conservative playbook, Donald John would have came up with $2 billion. He said so. And he would have con continually convinced you that we're not in a pandemic and more than a million people would have died. Everybody knows it. And you certainly wouldn't have vaccines. You know how we got the vaccine? It's okay. You can ask me. 
Nancy Pelosi uh-huh. and the five and, and close to close to three trillion dollars. We were able to do the what do you call it? Warp speed primarily because uh, Moderna, AstraZeneca, uh, Johnson and Johnson were able, was was given literally one point two billion dollars each. Develop this vaccine and we need to not take three years. To put it on the market. Got to have emergency use. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get now you go in and you find 40,000 people between Great Britain and the United States and get them to test it. Mm-hmm. How do they test it? Well, <laughs> I'm a, would you try this drug for $1,000? Okay. You sure it won't hurt, man? Well, we don't really know for sure, but we, sure, I, we don't think it will kill you. What we're going to do... <laughs> What we're going to do is we're going to inject you with this vaccine. Now, I want you to know right now it's got a little COVID in it. But you're going to get COVID anyway. But it's going to help be able to solve, develop a vaccine that's going to save a lot of people. Okay, that's an honorable thing. Besides that, I've got to pay my light bill. Look, folks, in college, we are offered that all the time. You, the test. I don't know if you know that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It wasn't just for stuff like this. This is pretty serious. But that's how you do it. You pay the guinea pigs. We were, in fact, rats. And you, you go in, they pay you. So that, so that money came out of the CARES Act. It came out of the Nancy Pelosi bill, $3 trillion. And thereby, you were able to expedite the number of people who were tested to get a much broader idea as to whether it would work. Normally, it takes two, three years because you're only dealing with, you know, uh, 5,000, 10,000. You know, and then, of course, you, you, got, a, you got the control group. You know, they're going to be not everybody's going to be injected with uh, the vaccine. Um, you know, you, you're going to have, uh, um, you know, some in other words, you the, the whole testing of this is very, very scientific. Folks. You've got to you know, you got to you can't um, what is the name of that when you when you they placebo. Think, placebo. Very good. See, that's why I got you. Over there. Some are given a placebo, which basically means it's just just sugar water. Right. But you're thinking, okay, it's a vaccine. And so what they're doing is they're not telling you which one they're giving you so that they can see how you react, you know, whether or not the vaccine is really working. Compare it. In other words, if you get it then and you were given the sugar water, then it implies, well, okay, well, maybe it works if most of the people who were given the vaccine did not get the vaccine. I love science. I really do. I really could have been a scientist or a cop. I like, I like analytical stuff. I like it. Especially when you're, when you're doing it well, when, you, when you're doing it the right way. So, so the point is, ladies and gentlemen, had we had this money not been placed on the ground by Nancy Pelosi in the democratically led house, trust me, we wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be here. You know, um, where is here? Uh, an economy that's humming. Just saying. Since I'm on politics, it was not a good day, good Tuesday for Donald John uh, in his participation in the primary. Some of you may think so. Let's see the hands out there. You do? Well, you need to read those numbers very well. Read the tea leaves. Like in Nebraska where his guy lost. Uh, significantly lost. Um, but more importantly, he lost. I'll tell you why he lost. Because when you put together all the numbers who voted against him, you know, you had, a, you had quite a few candidates, right? His guy got 30 uh, percent. Only 30 percent? Only 30 percent. The guy that beat him got 33.8 percent. 
However, the reality here is, ladies and gentlemen, is that over 70 close to 70 percent voted against Donald John's guy. In other words, all the other Republicans in the Republican primary voted against him. That's strong. That is strong. Now, there are those who are going to try to put lipstick on this pig. Oh, yeah, well, he, he got a good bump. Well, most Republicans voted against him, and that's a good thing. That speaks volumes, ladies and gentlemen, about what's going to happen in the general election. See, this is determining which Republican is going to face the Democrat there in Nebraska. This is a commentary. You won't hear this on conservative talk because, after all, everything has to be rosy when it comes down to the double impeach Donald John. And you guys let that happen. You turn that crap off. You really do, folks. It's an indoctrination machine. It is Donald John's uh, radio is what it is. Same old crap. They're never going to they're never going to criticize me because they're afraid. I like that. That makes me a DJ. So close to 70% voted against Donald John in Nebraska in that primary, folks. And that's pretty significant. Pretty significant. And, of course, the guy he didn't support won pretty handedly. Um, and then, of course, there is, where is it, West Virginia. All right? When you go to West Virginia, there are those who say, well, look, his influence uh, helped Mooney to win. His influence helped Mooney to win. When the reality is, is that most people, most Republicans who voted in that most Republicans who voted in that primary voted against him. Uh, Moody run, what, 44% against Miller, 41%. Uh, wait, I want to make sure. That's right. That is correct. So what you've got, and then, and then there's a guy by the name of Fuller who got 9%. So what you have is it's close to 50% voted against Donald John. Now just think about that a minute too. West Virginia where Donald John won, by a 30% margin. Um, that's where the infamous Democrat is from, by the way. Manchin, Joe. This speaks volumes to Rip Daniels. I, you know, I'm no political guru, but when I look at this and I look at the total numbers, the total number of people who went to the polls and vote that day, and the number of those individuals who voted against the guy picked by him, it's not a shoe-in, come in, and not by no stretch. And all it takes is a good Democrat who can articulate the way Rip Daniels just said regarding the economy. He'll win. One thing's for sure, Donald John is going to lose. Because the people who very avidly voted against Mooney, his guy, don't want to vote for him. I guarantee you it's January 6th. The ghost of January 6th. You know, I like the guy. But he's not good for the country. Mm, yeah. Even Asper said that, and Asper voted for him. Well, actually, Asper didn't. He didn't vote for him or Joe Biden, actually. Held up the, uh, and, and by the way, many of those who voted for him can't bring themselves to vote again for him. Actually, I had uh, one of the District 4 um, candidates for my district here against Stephen Palazzo said he just can't bring himself to vote for him again. Meaning that he voted for him before. Yeah. Of course, that goes against him in my book. He's the same guy, but still, that speaks volumes. You got, let me tell you, what has happened in the Republican Party is a purging of moderates. The same thing happened in the Democratic Party, which is why they lost to Ronald Reagan and, of course, George Herbert Walker Bush. Whenever any party gets rid of those people who are in the middle, not, on, not extreme, then they lose. The Republican Party has gotten rid of moderates, and those moderates now have become independent.
They have lost confidence in the party that they once knew as a, a Republican Party because it doesn't stand for the same thing. They can't look back at January 6th and ignore what was happening. And, and with more and more that's coming out with these weak-kneed Republicans who are currently representing them, they love the country more. More than they love the party. They do. I'm telling you. And I don't doubt that it's going to be a significant number of Republicans who are going to vote uh, in the, for the Democratic primary and in the general election for a Democrat. Particularly when it comes down to if, in fact, a Republican who were supported by Donald John should win their district. They just cannot stomach that. They just soon not go and vote for him. And therefore, either way, the Democrat can win. I'm just telling you. I see it coming. And others don't. I might be wrong. But we've been here before. We have been here before. Trust me on this. And it's, uh, it is primarily, uh, I could take you back to Richard Nixon when Richard Nixon uh, resigned and Ford took over prime example of what I'm talking about. There, is a, there was such a distaste among the moderate Republicans that oh, how could Tricky Dick Nixon do this? I won't be tricked again. And there was this lackluster desire to go to the polls. One last thing before we go to the break. What Donald John is doing, what Donald John is doing is pulling out the secret weapon. You know what the secret weapon is, don't you? The secret weapon. He's pulling out oh, those extremist Caucasian males. That's what he's doing. And, but it's not enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not enough of y'all. Too busy doing meth. <laughs> Too busy doing meth and you, and you know what. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, having a little fun, doing a few things. Killing your wife and kids. But the key here is, is that it's just not enough. He has lost significantly Older Caucasian males and females who cannot stomach what they saw January 6th and the likes of his dominance and the, over the dignity of the party. Trust me, you'll see. We'll be back. If you love listening to It's a New Day, but you're unable to call in to make a comment, just log on to our chat room via the website. It is a new or the Jay-Z 94.5 app in the listen live option. Get the info. Get the info. Stay informed. It's a new day with Rip Daniels. The number one talk show in South Mississippi on Jay-Z 94.5. Is this thing on? Word. <laughs> so what? We get drunk. So what? We don't sleep. We're just having fun. We don't care who sees. So what? We go out. And we get a lighter. That's how it's supposed to be. Living young and wild Keep that in there. and free. What? I keep them rolled up, sagging my pants, not caring what I show. Keep it real if you don't know me, keep it playing with my bros. It look clean, don't it? Watch it the other day, watch how you lean on it. Keep me some 501 jeans on it, roll up bigger than King Kong's fingers and burn them things down to they stingers. Hmm. That was uh, Graham. I really couldn't understand that real either. It was a little foggy Graham after the January 6th talking about he went too far. Yeah, saying that uh, Trump created a sense of revenge there at the end. Folks, the numbers are in from the CDC, and they are horrible. Especially horrible, however, for young African-American males between the ages of 10 and 23 or so. We knew they were. 
There was one study that was done already, but now they, uh, the CDC uh, has now come up with a report that really demonstrates a very bleak picture of, um, of gun violence. And yeah, we got to get into it. We will uh, eventually. There's no doubt about that. Um, but still got some more stuff on Doc. I want to get Catman in. I, I, I was not able to complete a, our discussion the other day. Catman, good morning. How are you, man? Good morning, Mr. Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning to you, staff. Mr. Dan, um, you know, these politicians, you hear it all the time. They don't forget about the, I guess, the business at hand. Uh, you can hear about it overturning some 50-year-old uh, law and calling the president a petty time. What's, what's going to happen? You know, you hear the same thing from the one that's on the, making the stump speeches now. They, they don't talk about the issues. They talk about President Biden and what he can't do or what he's not doing and nothing what they can do or will do. They, the economy, health care, police protection, education, Social Security, all these things that concern the American people, you don't hear anything about the prime interest rate. So what, what we, we, if they need to talk about sexual immorality or sexual, sexual morality, they need to go to church on Sundays and Mondays and Wednesdays whenever they attend and, and talk to their pastor about that. We, we, we didn't put them up there to do, the, uh, do God's work. We put them there to do man's work that's pertaining to what's happening here in America. And that's not happening. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand your. I'm trying to understand your. Let me tell you what I. You know, Lee Atwater uh, was one of the reasons why Ronald Reagan won, um, and he won because he flipped from being a Democrat and became a Republican, and he went to Black Hawk in Mississippi and announced that he was going to be a Republican and run for president. Of course, he had run for president at least on two other occasions and and, and failed. Let me tell you what uh, what what Lee Atwater, who's now deceased, came up with. He, he figured out how the Democrats were winning both the House and the presidency, and they were winning because of the social issue of civil rights. So they it was driving the quote unquote black voting block, social issues, you know, um, um, issues of integration and so forth, and. And he understood that, and so he realized, it took a while, he, he realized that what the Republican Party had to do was come up with some social, moral high ground. And uh, they came up with that. Uh, the, major, the moral majority was born uh, with the help of several pastors and so forth. Uh, um, um, and, uh, of course, Leroy Newt Gingrich and others. It was a, it was a deliberate I- idea that that came about as, as a result of them looking, uh, the Republican Party, conservatives actually, looking at what was driving the market for Democrats. Um, and so now that is still the playbook. You see, right now in the election coming up, you don't, the conservatives really don't have, as Joe Biden said the other day, they don't have a, a plan. What they're looking to do is drive their base with social issues like CRT and they're teaching your kids sex in school. They in literally invent, literally invent social issues that, that tap into the proclivity of their 
uh, potential voters to get angry. What drives the Republican vote is anger. What drives the, um, the Democratic vote is sorrow. You know, it is the, the idea that somebody's being put upon. Like, of course, we're doing the civil rights movement. But the angry Republican is a voting Republican. He needs somebody to blame. And if he can't find somebody to blame, trust me on this, you got him. I think it's as Johnson said uh, way back when, uh, 1960s, one of his staffers overheard him say this. Was it Bill Moyers? Uh, Moyers heard him say this. I'll tell you what's, what's at the bottom of it. And what he was talking about was, uh, you know, this discrimination and so forth that was going on there. He says, I'll tell you what's at the bottom of it, said Lyndon Banks Johnson. He continues, if you if you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, he'll he'll give him somebody, give him somebody to look down on and he'll he'll empty his pockets to you. So says one Texas Governor and ultimately President so, Lyndon Baines Johnson. So you think Johnson. that's what the Republican Party is doing? That is exactly what they're doing. That is exactly what they're doing. In other words, standing up to defend him. Well, actually, if you look back a few years back, hold hold, hold on, Cab man, hold on, we'll be back. Get the info. Stay informed. It's a new day with Rip Daniels, the number one talk show in South Mississippi on Jay Z ninety four point five. People moving out, people moving in, why? Because of the color of the skin. Run, 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 but you sure can't hide. And I bought out a tooth for a tooth, both for me, and I'll set you free. Rap on, brother, rap on. Well, the only person talking about love, man, brother, is the preacher. It seems nobody's interested in learning But the teacher But the teacher mm-hmm. Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration Aggravation, humiliation, obligation to our nation That's what the world is today What year did this song come out in? 1970. All right, folks, Tempting Temptations there. Used to be music like that. Social commentaries. More things change, the more things remain the same. Seems like the same done to you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Don't have as much segregation, though. No, well, no. Or integration. No, that's true. That's that's wow. Maybe desegregation is a, is a little bit better. All right, good morning, folks. Rip Daniels here. Thank you for joining us. The show is called It's a New Day. There's only one rule. No such thing as a right or wrong opinion. The Here's numbers a are out. Here's yeah. a question. Hmm? More confusion, less confusion? I don't think we have as much confusion. What we have now, I think, is... Um, I think that there is a concerted effort on the part of, uh, of very powerful men worldwide to manipulate. There's more manipulation, thanks to the Internet, which is why it needs to be regulated. And I'm really going to jump into that in a minute. I mean, Vladimir Putin is doing it right now. Mm-hmm. There, and, uh, 
in Russia. So, um, and that, there are those who sit here. You, you guys don't know what's fake and what's real anymore. Um, who, what, when, where, and how has now become vague, and that is not a good sign for uh, society, mankind, really. I mean, there's facts. There's no alternative facts. Um, and then, of course, there's facts, and then it's what you choose to believe. And some people get both of those confused. And then there's reality, and then there's virtual reality. Go figure. Uh, two two eight eight nine six nine four five five. I want to go back to Cabman. We we uh, he missed him last time, so we give you a little extra time there, Cabman. So I, I gather you're asking okay, this question Dan, because I'm you. I'm going to say this. You know, it, it's voters out there. You can listen to this rhetoric. They're coming out of the Republican base, if you want to. But you better be concerned about the issues that concern you and your family. And those issues are education, health care, jobs, interest rate, police uh, protection around the country. And uh, most, of, most of all, you know, if you're in the retirement age, your Social Security and your Medicare, Medicaid benefits, that's what you should be concerned with. If any politician talking about anything else besides those issues, you should tell him to go to church and talk to his preacher, go to the altar and pray over this. You don't want to hear that because that's not con- that doesn't have anything to do with politics as far as you concerned. And that that's what I'm that that's the way I'm going to vote when the election come around. I'm going to vote for people that are concerned about the issues at hand, that things that affect me on a daily basis. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you calling, uh, Catman. Can't say I disagree with that, but you might have to pick one of those though as being more important. You have to prioritize your issues. You really do. Um, you know, since you brought that up, I, I was just thinking while you were saying it, what would be my priority? You know, as as hokey and as uh, patriotic as it might sound, my, my, my first concern is for the country right now. It really, really is. Um, Explain. I, th- I think this country is under serious threat. Uh, from a, I think as Joe Biden said, uh, the MAGA the MAGA threat is very very real. These folks, these folks really do believe that they you know they they want a king, uh, and um, that combined with what Vladimir Putin is doing right now, the world is becoming more and more dangerous. It's not if it is when he fires off a tactical nuke, that will happen. Uh, I don't doubt, of course, he just did the seven hypersonic missiles. He's going to probably do a test of a nuclear warhead somewhere. Um, we, we were at the saber-rattling moment, but this, uh, these are nukes. He will not continually lose men and arms in Ukraine as a result of our arming the Ukrainians. The House just passed a $40 billion bill. It's meandering through the Senate and will probably pass the Senate. That's $40 billion going to kill Russians. Now, do you think we will tolerate $40 billion from Vladimir Putin going to kill Americans? You know, um, he's lost some seven to eight generals. The Ukrainians putting up an incredible fight only because we're supporting them 
The only other thing we could do is not support him and then the war will probably be over. He'd stop losing Russians. So I, I'm voting cab man and, and it's as hokey and as uh, nationalistic as it might sound. I am gravely concerned about those individuals who would want a despot in the White House again and those who support him. A bunch of yes men. And I'm not just talking about nationally. I'm talking about even in the state house, even in Georgia. Uh, right now, the Republican Party under Donald John is purging honorable men. It's not even about policy. It's about who is loyal to him. Who is loyal? If you're loyal to him, then he wants you in there. Loyal means you believe and do exactly what he says do. That's a gang boss. Uh, Democrats are not saying this like Rev. Daniels, and they need to be. Because there's a whole lot of Republicans out there who feel as do I. This ain't right. And this country's at stake. This is no game. This is no football game where we're going here and there. The country hangs in the balance. And the guy in Mar-a-Lago wanted to topple this country January 6th. And he came that close to doing that. We'll be back. WJZD FM Long Beach. Pascagoula. Biloxi. The all-new Jay-Z 94.5. What do you do when you love somebody? Mm. When in your heart, you know they don't love you. You see, I've got this problem. I wish somebody would tell me what to do. You keep holding on till the thrill is gone. Or do you start looking for a brand new home? Mm-hmm. Walk around with your head all hung down. Do you walk around with your head hung down? Or just face the fact she don't want you around. She's a drop dead. Or just face the fact. They don't want you around Just like a torn dollar Nobody wants a torn dollar What do you do When you love somebody And you know deep down That they don't love you Are you crying? No Men don't cry What do you do That's why I ain't crying I ain't even crying. It's sinus. It's allergy season. And you know in your heart that their love ain't true. Nobody loves a poor man, but oh, how that poor fella could love. Do you keep hoping for a brighter day? My way of saying good morning to all those brothers out there with a whole lot of love in their heart and nobody to give it to. Look at him. Got that big heart. Small wallet. <laughs> I don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> Got a big heart and a small wallet. <laughs> just don't get it. And just don't get it. Also, it's my way of saying good morning to all those women who can really appreciate a man with a big heart and a small yeah. wallet. <laughs> I love you, girl. I'm not kidding you. Two two eight eight nine six nine four five five. That's the number. I crack myself up sometimes doing this. Me too. I don't know why. I, I know why. 
Because it's fun, bro. It's fun and funny. We shouldn't even get paid for what we do. I don't agree with that, but I think that <laughs> we should have as much fun as we can. Oh, that, that, you got rid of that brown nose. Whilst doing, doing what we do. <laughs> Wipe that brown nose right off, didn't it? It was a tan. I've been in the sun. I've been in the sun. All right, folks, uh, good little laughter before we get very, very serious here. The CDC has released some numbers that if you are a Negroid, that means if you're colored, uh, black, non-white, you would listen to this because y'all are dying from gun violence at a much higher rate than anybody else. Just saying. Gun deaths overall has surged 35%. You heard me right, 35% in 2020. Hell, we were locked down for almost a month. Oh, that's crazy. Well, some people were locked down. Start crazy. And listen to me. It surged 35% in 2020, highest among African American. 35%. 35% higher for black folks. I mean, of course, you've been reading the news. You got, you've been listening to the show, and you know. By the way, have we gotten any evidence regarding LaMelo yet? No, no records yet. <clears throat> Let's see here. Where do I start? Up oh, here it is right here. Increased gun violence linked to the coronavirus pandemic in 2020 has been widely noted previously with the FBI report last year showing homicides increased 30%. So you got the pandemic and you're still killing each other? And in some cases, the, the greatest has been among suicide, to be quite frank, but still significant. The rate of homicides caused by firearms uh, highest level in 26 years. Highest level in 26 years. Among African Americans, the rate was 26.6 deaths per 100,000. That's 39.5% increase over 2019. Hmm, there's a Negro. I think I was shooting. For Caucasians, quite the contrary. The rate was 2.2 per 100,000. Far less than Negro. Uh, raw numbers show that 19,350 gun homicides in 2020 with African-Americans accounting for 62% of the total and Caucasians accounting for only 21%. Wow. Why is that? Um, more stabby. What? More stabby. What they does that mean? You kill each other more with knives, perhaps? Oh, Caucasians? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not, the, that's not the weapon of choice for Caucasians. No. Uh, you would be surprised to know, well, maybe you won't be surprised to know, that suicides account for close to 65% of those homicides, uh, well, the gun violence. It's not a homicide, it's a suicide. Mm-hmm. And many of those, if not the majority of those, are in fact Caucasian. Mm-hmm. They kill themselves more. It's safer for the rest of us. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating it. Please don't interpret it that way. But the point is, is that uh, they're not killing each other. It is your life, and of course it's your death, but the reality is we would hope that you wouldn't do that. Gun suicide measured uh, separately totaled 24,245 in 2020. That's a rate of 8.1 gun suicides per 100,000. And it was a little change between that and and 2019. It was about the same, actually, uh, when it comes down to suicides. Um... There are those who believe, and there's, there's another caveat here that you need to see, and that's this. Much, if not many of those uh, in the homicide says suicides, poverty. poverty. What do you think about that? That makes sense. Why? 
Well, the crime rates are usually generally higher among those who are impoverished, so suicides and homicide rates being in that same segment is uh, not surprising to me. I guess the misery factor. Misery factor, yeah, all day, every day. But, you know, you didn't have this before with the impoverished. Well, there's some punks now, Rip. I mean, you know, like before, it seemed as though it was all about surviving, and, and, and that being enough for your definition of, of worth in a lot of instances, not all, but a lot, is the fact that you made it, you survived, and that just kept you going, kept you pushing forward. So there were more generations to come and eventually pull whatever out of that segment. But now it just seems as though folks are, are, are more willing to give up and not take advantage of the opportunity of tomorrow. Here is what's not congruent, as we say in geometry. So you've got this higher number, the highest increase among African-Americans. And if, in fact, your uh, suspicion is that it's because of being impoverished, you're talking welfare. Who do you think, who do you think ha- are mostly on welfare? In other words, what ethnic group would be found receiving welfare revenue? Black, white, brown, indifferent, undecided? Um, well, okay, so with the congruent factor, we have to consider the population 43 percent. 43% of welfare recipients are Caucasian. Yeah. 43%. Among the population that receives welfare, 43% were, are Caucasians. 23% African American. 28% Hispanic. Asians are receiving welfare, 8%. So if, in fact, it is poverty and measuring poverty based upon those who qualify for welfare, you would think there'd be a higher rate of Caucasian deaths, homicides, or gun violence, should I say. But it's not. So what do you say to that? Negroes don't know how to be poor, as good as white folks, end quote. All of that, by the way, end quote. I mean, can you, in other words, do you draw that, okay, well, the impoverished Caucasian is not killing himself at a rate of Negroes who are impoverished? I, and, and see, I don't even know how we get to that because if the suicide rate is higher, and it is higher and always has been higher among Caucasians, then it's just higher among Caucasians. So, I mean, that's going to that's gonna supersede whatever uh, demographic that they're in. So with the minuscule amount of African-Americans killing themselves and then that factoring into how many African-Americans are impoverished, I would still say there are more impoverished Caucasians killing themselves. Yeah, but you've got, you've got uh, two things happening here. Hmm. Killing yourself and then homicide. Homicide is killing others, right? Right. So uh, maybe what we're talking about here among African-Americans then is that they, their homicide rates are higher. Mm-hmm. It's not just, not just deaths, but mm-hmm. homicide. In other words, you've got the number of deaths as a result of gun which includes homicides and suicides. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the number of, um, you know, then you've got um, uh, the supposition of why. And, and of course, the highest number among poverty-stricken individuals. Now, that might be more homicides than suicide. We don't know. We do know that there's not the homicides among Caucasians. Um, cumulatively, it's higher. But as a percentage, it is not. Right. So so what you're saying is that overall blacks are killed by guns more regardless of how it's done, whether self-inflicted or uh, uh, inflicted to another. 
That's true, but it, but it, what it, what it, I think one the, the supposition is is that African Americans are participating in more homicides, in my view, and in in impoverished areas, and Caucasians are not participating nearly as much in those homicides because of poverty, in other words. Because of poverty, okay, okay. You see, see the speculation here as I'm looking at this is that they see a higher incident of of gun violence. Right. Notice I didn't say homicide or suicide, gun violence. Okay. And violence with guns, period. In poverty, in, in poverty stricken areas, low mm-hmm. income areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's highest among African Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, Caucasians, this is, take a, a welfare example, the SNAP program, right? Mm-hmm. That was just robbed by the conservative Phil Bryan and others in this state. This is for um, supplemental income for women with children. Now, of course, the state is suing and Brett Favre and others for like $24 million, $77 million went up in smoke. And conservatives will say nothing about Phil Bryant. Won't hear him on talk anymore. Ask Super Talk, whatever. Are we going to talk to Phil? We'll call Phil ask him what happened to the money. Ask some tough questions. However, um, Caucasians, uh, the SNAP recipients, who do you think get the most SNAP food stamps? White women. Very good. Caucasians, 37%. African Americans, 26%. Hispanics, 16%. I've got the numbers here, folks. And they're in that line. Um, and then now the CDC has got their numbers. They're getting higher than the Center for Disease Control. And this is the first time, actually, we see these cognitive numbers. Do you know that Donald John stopped these numbers from coming out? They, he refused to allow the CDC to gather information on homicides, on gun violence. You don't know why? Why? The NRA didn't want him to. Oh, okay. Bent the knee. It's just dumb. Um... But this is pretty serious stuff. And, and what it's showing here is that if you've got a little boy between the age of 10 and 20, 23, 24, there's a greater possibility. He is, he is 21% more likely to be killed with a gun than a Caucasian boy, his counterpart. 21% more likely. What are you Negroes going to do about that? Uh-huh. I'm, that's a question. Put it on our Facebook page. Hmm. I mean, we've been here before. We saw the first you know, the University, I think, of Virginia was, did the study first. And now the CDC has finally released these numbers based upon, this is based upon all the states reporting, folks. This is, uh, I mean, it's quite telling to me. And there has to be a better excuse. So if it is poverty, what is your solution? Uh, abortion? Oh. What's your solution, Mississippi. If it is poverty, we are the poorest state in the union. What is your solution? Uh, can I go to, is it um, Kiana? Kiana. Kiana. Ah, with a Q. Okay. Hey, Kiana, how are you? Good morning, Mr. Rep. I'm fine. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling me, Miss Kiana. It's so wonderful to hear you. sound so chipper this morning. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, I have nothing to complain about. Absolutely. All right. Look at there. Ting, ting. So, what's on your um, mind? A couple things. I am a school teacher, and when I see my fifth grade young black men, most of the time they come from an urban area. You were asking asking about the dip, you know the gun violence, and then you're talking about is poverty a reason? And I'm definitely going to say yes, 
But I also just wanted you to look at when you have more people in an area, you're going to get more things to happen. Yeah. If you go to Asia, you're going to have more Asian people kill people. If you go to South America, you're going to have more South American people kill people, each other, just like black-on-black crime. So I really, that really bothers me uh, when I hear people using these statistics. They're true statistics, but like you're, what you're trying to do, and I really, really appreciate this today, is you're trying to find the root of the, call, of the problem and not just quoting statistics. Mm. So when I see my young men come in at fifth grade, and they are already introduced to a poverty lifestyle. I'm not trying to be funny, but what else do you expect? Hmm. What else well, do you expect l- them l- to do? Let's so explore my this. Solution, yeah, what yeah, I'd like them ahead. to see mm-hmm. is to be, um, what do you call it when you're exposed to more things? When you're exposed to, and now people say, you have technology now, you see all kinds of stuff. But being in the middle, and I heard Rose say this about people in poverty living a life of survival and mm. not thriving, like survive versus thrive. Mm. And I really appreciate him saying that as well, because that's what I see, especially in our young black men, fifth graders. Let me, let me try something on you, um, and I think you'd appreciate this. Um, because what you're saying is, is when you've got poor people and there's a lot of people on top of people. I could give you several examples that would question that. Um, Great Britain, London, have far more people than Chicago. Far less deaths. Far less guns. Very good. So the key here is that they have tougher gun laws, lesser access to guns. Uh, I'm going to take you to. I'm going to take you to yeah. somewhere else. I'm going to take you to the. You don't get more object poverty than what you will find um, on the Cape Town flats. Just imagine one million people living in shanties. I'm talking. I'm talking uh, buildings that's barely ten, dirt floors and the like, and very little in the way of uh, police protection. Uh, the amount of homicides are minuscule compared to what happened in New Orleans. Oh, I definitely agree with that, Mr. Rip. So what I, I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but so, so you're saying it's poverty. I'm trying to understand the logic. You've got people living in abject poverty in, in these areas, and they're not killing each other at that rate. Certainly not shooting each other. I mean, you're you're actually saying the part of the problem that is not going to change in our country. When we look at our young black men, we're seeing a reflection of what we are as a country. We are a violent nation. We have these guns available. And then when you put that on top of the, like you said, if they didn't have the gun laws in Britain that they did, you would definitely have more, prop, more, more violence. If you had, didn't have the access to guns in shanty towns in South Africa, you would definitely have more gun violence. Now, if you're talking about violence in general, I can bring up all kinds of statistics and say that British people are violent, African people are violent, 
No, but you can't. Uh, we, we're talking about we, we're talking about homicides here now. Let's let's keep it let's keep it where it where it needs to be. The question is is whether what is the difference between being impoverished in America and being impoverished in any other country? It is obviously access to access to the, to the, access to the weapons. Right, right. Access to the guns. So we we would agree the there. Access is, yes, it's definitely access. Yeah. So why would you're talking about a guy that came from a project, right? By Augusta Project, uh, and I used to frequent frequent New Orleans there in Desire Project, and those who know where Desire Project is in New Orleans and remember it, it was three stories tall of, of total slum, but it didn't start that way. It was people who were considered, quote-unquote, impoverished, so-called pofo. This is when when Johnson came up with his um, um, war on poverty. But you didn't have this kind of violence until the 1980s, and... and um, so I, I, I'm trying to figure out, so what happened to Pofo that has now access resulted? They're guns. So, so they, what? They have this access. But, but what? I grew up in the South. I grew up in what they call the Swats in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh-huh. That's Southwest Atlanta. Yes. That is, you go there, you have a rundown home, just like in Gulfport. When you yeah. go to areas of Gulfport where you wouldn't even want to drive your car through. But yeah. like I said, what I see, I see the, the the foundation is laid for the for the young men, and now you're giving them what they need to move to the next level. Like you said, poverty is everywhere. What would move us as black people, or you know, our young black men who are killing each other? What gives them that opportunity to even do that? Here is my they question. Here is my weapons. question for you, Kiana. It's not so much opportunity as the will. In other words, something happened that said it is better to kill. Now you have greater access. We both agree on that to guns. But there is some determination in you're speaking of young black males, and they do lead the number of homicides and those who are doing the shooting. There has there was something that said. I would rather shoot you than leave you alone. In other words, they're choosing that as the as the solution before all others. So it seems. What what started that? Rip, don't you understand? The, the, the loss of respect for life. It's 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 in America. So uh. you're asking young black men to do something that other people don't even do. They don't respect life. They don't respect each other. So you're asking them to say, oh, I value you. I, I, I honor you as a human. They don't even value themselves. Well, Honestly, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just saw the, 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 number, the numbers increased of the, the homicides among African-Americans. Now, you, say, you keep saying America, but the reality is it is not all of America. It is our young men. And by it's comparing our us, young men, because our young men have access to the weapons that other, I would say, I don't say, I don't know where are these young men getting these guns from. Where are they coming from? I heard you one time say that they were being stolen, and I agree with that. But that can't be all of them. I got another question so, for you, though, Kiana, and you didn't answer it. And that is, where do you get the will? Why is there the, the will? yeah the will to to shoot someone? In other words. You're getting the younger. Will to kill or just the will to shoot? Well, the, the will, will to shoot. The will to kill is American. Uh, well, well, it's very American. The will to take out something that is more than you, I mean, something that is, that you don't honor, that's that's a very American thing. I'm not saying it's a, 
it's just who we are. And I think it's very messed up. Like, I hear some people say, you know, about the music and how it affects our young people. All that kind of stuff it is wrapped up in all of that. But at the end of the day, like you said, I'm going to keep questioning, where are they getting these guns? That's my solution. How do we keep the guns out of their hands? Because you're not going to stop people from hating each other, just like you can't stop racism. But you can put laws in place to keep these things from happening. But our young men can get a gun just as easy as they can get a woman. Well, not that easy. <laughs> they wow. get a, a gun. You get an easy, easy, woman easier, I think, these days, unfortunately. Oh, but, oh, Mr. Real, I'm just like that. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's, it's sad to say that, but I, I'm looking at the number of just just weapons, and uh, there's uh, the weapons are out here, no doubt. But I, the weapons, the weapons have all, are out here. It, it, the gun is the American thing. I agree with that. I mean, we we have the right to keep and bear arms. There's no doubt. I mean, but, you said it before. You go back to the wild wild west. What is the difference between the wild wild west? I mean, it's no different. We are saying it's different. Because the numbers look different, I agree. Like I said, when I go through, my son graduated from high school in 2021. I didn't want him to go to Gulfport. We live in Biloxi. My husband and I did not ever want him to go through that city. Not to say that anything couldn't happen to him anywhere else, just because guess what's there? Young black men with guns. Hmm. And we didn't want him to drive our Mercedes through. We didn't want him to go over there with his friends because we didn't want him to be in that kind of environment but all of our young men can't get out of that environment so you're saying it's not that we're just so violent it's just that the opportunity presents itself and we all i apologize like i said i have this i teach fifth graders and when i see them and they come in they already have that foundation that groundwork laid for a, a, a inability to see their friends their uh, other black boys as as anything human yeah they don't even see each other as human and that's america and i'm not trying to hold up well you keep saying that's america, america but i'm not seeing the same stats working out with other americans you know that that's the that, where i disagree is you say it's america but it isn't it hasn't it's not it's well, not why showing. don't white men why don't white men then have why don't they have the guns they have the guns where do you get where do you think they the where do you think african-american boys get the guns from who do you think is the manufacturer of the gun? That's where I'm. That's where I'm. That's my point. That's my point. Is they have these guns? Why? Why? How are they getting on the street? Is this something? I'm. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I'm also not naive as to what is happening. What happens in the world? So I. Again, you want to know why we mur Why our young men mur They're already primed for that. They're already yeah. set up for that, and now they have the gun in their hands. And they don't care about their own lives, Mr. Rip. You're talking about we try to show our young black men in fifth grade. We, we, we want to show, show them they can be more than, you know, representation matters. And just because they have access to technology to be able to see things, that's, that's just like watching stuff on TV. You know, I want to be a rapper. I want to be a stripper. I want to be this because I see it on TV. And, and all people do that. Not just black people. Yeah, let me now, ask I you want, this. I, I'm not giving excuses for them. Yeah. I just want to know how are we going to keep how are we going to keep the guns out of their hands? 
Let me it's let me let me tell you this, uh, Miss Kian. I just I really respect you, and I just an honorable profession teaching. It's just a pleasure to chat with you, and I appreciate what you do. Let me ask you: Is education uh, part of this problem? Is it working uh, for young African American males? Are you are they no. reading? Are they no, re- no, no. Most of our young men, and I'm not. This is not a race thing, but it is a race. Most of our young men are taught by young white women who don't know them. They can have a great heart, but like I said, if they never go to Gulfport to know where their children are coming from, they don't know that. And it's not their fault. It's just they don't live that life. And so to be, you know, to be, you know, um, the, the education system is not working for our young black men. I'll give you an example. I had a young young, young man who came to my class the first day of school. Amazing football player. He's telling me, hey, football, football. Ooh, he's going to be good. This, that, and the other. You know what he told me? Miss Keith, I don't read. I said, we about to, I don't read. What do you mean you don't read? Hmm. Not, I, not I can't read. I don't read. And I won't read. Well, well neither say he became a good reader, but because of, only because of the... You know, it, only because he had some people who were there in his corner. So, yes, the education, you want to that. No, it does not work for our young black men. Yeah, I appreciate and you. And I call. tell my husband that all the time. It makes me angry. You know, I want to see more black women. I mean, we have lots of black teachers, uh, black female teachers. And, again, you can't help a ch- and child come with us eight hours a day. They're home for the other, <laughs> you know, 16 hours. Um and, but my, I, I would really like to know who in our community is going to. I know they have these gun buyback programs, but like you said, the attitude is no different than anyone else. But how do we keep these guns out of their hands? Right. Where are they? I'm about to cry. I'm sorry. All I right. don't Ms. know Kiana? where they're getting them and why they're allowing them to go that way. Appreciate it, Miss Kiana. Don't cry. Thank you, Mr. Rip. We'll I be, appreciate it. We'll be back, folks. Get the info. Get the info. Stay informed. It's a new day with Rip Daniels. The number one talk show in South Mississippi. Or Jay-Z 94.5. Rex. I count six shots. Listen at the bando. Jerry real metal like a band. I went from rad to riches to a future with tip. I went from smart car to a bitch with some smart lips. And that if a knee make my hip limp. I'm going fishing with these little bitty strip dips. And my bankroll kind of big dip. Woo. Gonna bring it on a big ship. Uh, quite trail, no quick trip. I got does in the island, no tip. Yeah. All right, who is this? Uh, young thug. Oh, yeah. T.I. He's been picked up, huh? Yeah. For racketeering. Yeah. All yeah. right. All about you? the money. Don't be blowing me up. All right, folks, good morning to you. Rip Daniels here. Thank you for joining us. You know, that is a culture all itself, but it is a very minuscule, very small culture within the African-American culture. And unfortunately, African-American culture, and unfortunately, it has been now relegated to being the prominent culture um, by media. Most young African-Americans, uh, males and females, don't want to be rappers. Most don't. Um, I don't doubt that most will listen to it. Most don't buy all of what they hear. They just don't. 
It's defiant music. Like the Madrigals when they had uh, when when you know when in the days of Bach and Beethoven and the and when they had the um, the church basically had most of the symphonies and so forth. I mean, every culture goes to the secular music, folks. Every culture, you know, while others are able to go hear the symphony, the uh, some of them are going to make their own music in their own little hamlets and villages, and that's what you have here: folk music for the most part, they're singing about their experiences, but it's not the experiences of all people who look like them. It's more people who are in their environment. And that environment can be in a lot of different cities and states. Um, but at some point, you, you know, you, you've got to, the media itself, and we who are Americans have to own up to the fact that we've allowed certain cultures, cultural aspects to dominate. And in a hip-hop culture has done that. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not discussing. But I am going to put forward the concept that it is not monolithic among African Americans. You know, not all African American young boys want to be rappers. Not all African American boys want to sag. None of that. I'm just telling you, there's a... Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about a significant number. I'm, I'm going to go so far as to say most. And then there's a, a generational difference in between the young so-called gangster rappers and then the real hip-hoppers. Rose a real hip-hopper, for instance. Word up. And, uh, and much of what he plays sometimes, he's not even familiar with. He's familiar with it, but it's not something he'd buy. Hang on, Miss Faye, I'm going to get you. But I, 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 I really caution um, the African American community from dr allowing young people to draw the conclusion that this is all America. Everybody does it. This is always the way. No. No. It's not. This not. ain't the way. No, not, not all African Americans. Most African Americans do not grow up in a ghetto, do not grow up impoverished. Most African Americans um, or not looking for a purse to snatch or, you know, um, someone to rob. And so I, I, I think that when I read these stats and I hear someone say, well, they're impoverished. I mean, this is what they're around. There was a, folks, let me just tell you, you didn't get more impoverished than Harlem at one time, or Watts, for that matter, there on the West Coast and outside of L.A. You didn't have this kind of violence now. Um, and it actually picked up after you had the semi-automatic handguns hit the street, to be quite frank. You know, the days when you saw Cotton Cold in Harlem and all that, the days of uh, 110th Street, or the days when you had uh, uh, Baldwin and uh, Langston Hughes and others in and around Harlem. You had you had poverty. I mean, far worse than what you have now. But you also had people with a will to survive and live, and not at the barrel of a gun. And uh, Kiana, I just I just appreciate you so much for calling. You. It's very insightful, and I just really appreciate the insight you gave me with the school. But I think what we're dealing with here. The ultimate thing we're dealing with is the will. 
you know, the will to actually go out and do a homicide, a murder, the will to to either be afraid of someone so much or not like someone so much that you want them dead. And when you don't even know the person, by particularly younger African-Americans. And you've got to keep in mind that the age I'm talking about, 10 years old to 25 years old. That group right there is um, is now the group that is being killed more by gun violence than in accidents, car accidents, go figure. And so now the CDC has released a study and you, you can't ignore it. We can't just say, oh, that's America. This is, America's a violent country and that's what they're learning it from. I don't think it's a matter of playgrounds either. Um, the first and foremost, the biggest thing for me is where do you get the wheel? Where, where, what says to you that I, I now have to kill an adversary? You know, if it's not out of fear. What, what, where does that, where does that start? I, I, I gave some observations some time ago that I think, you know, in the bleakest times of the African-American experience in total, now, notice I said experience, not culture, the experience, because all the culture is all different. But in the bleakest time of the African-American experience, the, the greatest institution was the church. Like it or not, be it the Nation of Islam with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, or be it with Reverend C.L. Franklin or whoever. I mean, that, uh, you know, come Sunday or Saturday, if you're Seventh-day Adventist, you were in church. Now, see, there's, this is the congruency that I was expecting you in the last call to get to, but you didn't, and I'm glad you brought it up. Those folks who were in those churches were made to be in those churches. There was no negotiating. There was no asking in most of the, in most of the instances, unless you had a truly progressive, in quotes, parent. And even then, it was just a mild suggestion. It wasn't like a real question. That is what's missing. And I'm not just saying to go to church, but that hierarchy of, government in the household that is what's missing that's why we didn't see this huge swath of gun violence pour through the african-american community back in previous generations even though they were stacked on top of each other just like you guys were just talking about because there was this sense of morality this moral uh um it's not a code but it was just like a simple baseline morality and the value of life seemingly was higher but beyond that the parents were in control, or at least in as much as the children respected those parents or feared those parents enough to not go out and kill a bunch of people or have a lower respect for morality. And that's my take on it. Looking back through time, I would like your take on it. But I think that that's the main thing that's missing between today's African-American community and yesterday's African-American community. Well, I would agree with that somewhat. First things first, I think it was the access to semi-automatic handguns with unlimited magazine. Mm. At that time, you know, you, you had six shooters, Saturday night specials with a revolver. Anybody can get a twenty-two or a thirty-eight, but you just—they were not as prevalent. But had, even the humbuggish nature of confrontation and conflict, I don't think, was that high as it is now, was it? Well, no, you fought. There's no doubt about that. There was a whole lot of fighting going on and gang activity. Blackstone Rangers uh, was in full effect. When I mean, you got to understand, at those days, the kind of gang violence we're seeing now was done among the banditos or the mm -hmm. Hell's Angels. The mm -hmm. white boys, when the motorcycles were the ones that were doing this kind of shooting up, mm -hmm. I mean, all over California. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was gangland style, but African Americans, for the most part, were not. We were doing the hand game. You know what I mean? Uh, 
few stabbings here and there, razor fights, straight razor, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, um, but you, you you didn't have this. So first things first, I think it was uh, putting more pawn shops and making more accessible handguns. Even Sears and Roebuck was reluctant to even carry uh, 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 semi-automatic handguns at the time. You can get rifles. But you just didn't have that act, that kind of the pawn shop and gun shops that you have now. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing was is that you're right. There was a, you know, Sunday morning there was a, a greater church going. But there's another, since you said that, there's something else that was at play then. You didn't just go to churches. Most of the pastors was from the community that they were serving. And I, I dare say, and I don't have any stats on this, but I can only go by what I'm seeing here locally. Many of the pastors that are uh, heads of churches here are not from here. Uh, in other words, in other words, it's they, they're not vested within the community that they're serving. So subsequently, they preach the gospel, but they don't preach to the community. You know, I can tell you right now, Reverend Geist lived right down the street. Reverend uh, McElhaney, he was part of the Adams family. Uh, uh, Reverend uh, uh, E.L. Fox lived right there in front of Morningstar on uh, 20th, 20th Street. We knew where all the pastors were. I'm just telling you. Reverend Holloway lived right there in Biloxi. You know, it was, uh, and they didn't have parsonages. They, they were there. So, you know, as I think about this, I wonder whether or not today's pastors are as concerned about the community as were the pastors then, actually having outreach. You know, uh, 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 Reverend Fox would actually go out and play softball with us right there behind the church. Um, it was not unusual to have a deacon or a deaconess show up at somebody's house. Uh, even, uh, I mean, First Missionary Baptist Church would, would actually send out individuals to check on some members uh, and children. And even if, in fact, there was an impoverished uh, family like one that, that was on 3rd Street, I remember, uh, we would go out as ushers. They would send us out there, go out and take some food, go out and do, you know, their missionary work was missionary work. So, you know, I, I wonder whether or not, and I'm not putting down on anybody's church. I'm really not. But I'm just doing an observation of what was then and what we had that was better and yeah. what is now that we don't have. And I dare say, I, I think that uh, there needs to be some questions as to whether or not, you know, nowadays we're, you know, many of the pastors don't have a vested interest in the community itself and not just their members. Being that they're not from those communities. They're not from the community. I mean, you, I go to events and so forth all the time and, and, and uh, you know, city kinds of sponsored events and pastors are few in the audience. Um, yet they expect for their members to be there come Sunday morning without realizing that their members are in environments that are in some cases hostile. And what they need is not only, you know, the gospel, but they need to also uh, some support in how to survive it. And that's representation. So I, I don't, you know, uh, so what was missing, what's, what's missing now, of course, obviously is young men in those churches. Now, you're not, uh, nobody's forced to go to Sunday school anymore. You're right, bro. Uh, the membership among. Or do anything for that matter. Well, I, I can't say among Catholic churches, but I can say among Baptist churches, you, you're just not seeing that age group. You know, I stopped going when I was a teenager, uh, 17, 16, 17. I, I wanted to go, though, after 13, because that's where all the girls were. I'm just. Sure, sure. BTU, you know, mm -hmm. choir and all that. Hang on, folks. We'll be back. 
Get the info. Get the info. Stay informed. It's a new day with Rip Daniels. The number one talk show in South Mississippi. Or Jay-Z 94.5. The night was clear. And the moon was yellow. And the leaves came tumbling down. Never met a guy named Staggerly. You? Yeah? No, I haven't. You know, Staggerly re- Marshall, but I hadn't. I didn't meet him. I just knew him. You realize that, that his first name was a description. Stagger. That's right. Because he would stagger. That's right. When he walked. That's right. See, it used to be. It used to be you. You gave yourself names that made a difference. Well, yeah, really. Like like Pee Wee. Yeah. Well, you know, you call tiny. that the big man is tiny. That big man is tiny. Yeah. He, yeah. That's right. But Pee Wee was Pee Wee. Yeah. Good morning. I'm Rip, black. Rip, Dan- <laughs> Rip Daniels here. Thank you for joining us. No, the really. show It's called It's a New Day. That's exactly right. No such thing as a right or wrong opinion here, folks. Let's get back to it. The CDC numbers are out, and they are very bleak when it comes down to gun violence in my country here, folks. But not nearly as bad as what it was before the 94 crime bill. Far, far worse. The homicides are high, but not as high as what they were before 1994. Don't believe it? Just put up the FBI um, the FBI files, and you will see exactly that. And so the question is, is why is it that you have uh, this kind of gun violence, particularly among uh, African-American males 10 to 25 years old? Some folks weighing in in the uh, chat room here about why they think that is. Uh, U.S. or us says, these children needs choices, a way out, remove the red line, a proper education. The system is doing what it's designed to do. They always want to blame the system. Who do you think? They don't participate in the system? You know what? That is just the biggest cop-out ever. It it really is. I mean, it really, really is just the biggest cop-out ever. It's not hard to do. I mean, it is hard to do, you know, what you're supposed to do, but you're supposed to do it. And there's a minuscule amount of young people who are doing the homicide now. Again, we got to keep this in context. There's no doubt that there's a 35% increase. That is true, and I'm not belittling it. I'm just simply saying that most young African-American boys don't go shooting up people. Thank you so much, because it's just, seemingly it's not said enough. Too many single moms that is the name of the person but it's the, the, what they're typing too many single moms that refuse to let these young men live with their father hmm. you think the father would make a difference uh look one, one father one would ask why would the father allow his child to be reared by a single mom hmm. oh, i mean what about some of that blame very i good. mean he's cooperating in that you know what i mean very good very good uh McBe- by the way do you know how much money birth control pills have saved prospective fathers Oh, billions! You know, you know, you know how much money abortions have saved prospective fathers. Also, billions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, one less bill. 
McBear says, I think it's a combination of things, mostly the environment these kids grow up in, combined with lack of education, peer pressure, and in some cases, stupidity. It starts with these sorry politicians. Tell me how we can send all the money to Ukraine, but we got the lowest paid teachers, slummy schools, and we can't get loan forgiveness, student loan forgiveness. Yeah, I can tell you that is a that is a state issue. You're absolutely right. But conservatives have always had their thumb on the, uh, the little guy and keeping education down and keeping him from being educated. Yeah, and their hand on the spigot. Forty Dog says there's no incentive to take the gene NZ if we're do if we're the first die. Oh, take the guns if we're the first dying. The will comes from the music industry culture that pits us against each other, all part of the plan. It's a race. We're losing the mind game. Mm. I promise you, you're next, Miss Faye. We'll be back. WJZD FM, Long Beach, Waveland, Gaucher, Gulfport, the all-new JZ 94.5. Time for jazz. Lim. I'd like to be in the studio when they recorded this. Right? Man. 
got jazz with turntables, go figure. Can you believe that? Yeah. You hear it? Scratching? I do. I do. Shades of Gangstar. Let me tell you folks, little Jasmine Taz there. You you stuck on this thing. That uh, yeah. what is that? Uh, unwrapped? Yeah. Shouts out to Mix Maestro, man. He's always got the the the, the line in on unwrapped. On the stuff. That was That's from a, Unwrapped Volume Three. Yeah, the jazz is jazz. Unwrapped is unwrapped. Yeah. Well, you still hear a little chords here and there, but man, that that's some incredible musicians in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm Good looking for a played on that track. Yeah. Hmm. Little Jasmine Taz, our way of keeping you playing the music here, folks. Uh, I like the way you move, huh? Big boy, Sleepy Brown, my main man. All right, two two eight eight nine six nine four five five. That's the number to call. Uh, I want to go to Miss Faye, who's been extraordinarily patient, and thank you for that, Miss Faye. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing excellently, Miss Faye. That's really good. Um, I'm just a couple things that really have bothered me over my lifetime, and it's when you talk about people that's poor or they in extreme poverty or whatever it is, because during my day, everybody's poor. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that was it. <laughs> Maybe not in money or anything like that, but everybody was poor. Didn't nobody try to stand above anybody else. But we were. So let me ask you something. Let me test to see how poor you were. Did you, uh, when you went outside to play, were you barefoot? In the summertime, <laughs> which I wouldn't be barefoot. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, bro. Uh, what, did you have dirt roads? Uh, no, uh, it was paid, you know. Yeah, it was paid, okay. Mine still dirt. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't as poor as what? You were the still dirt? Mine still dirt. Really? Red clay. You still have red clay dirt? Going up to the, in the lane, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the road is paved that we're off of. Yeah, but, but yeah, going, that, your road going way back road, off in there, yeah. yeah. It's still dirt. Mm -hmm. Man, you need to put some plant. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's because I lived in town. Oh, yeah, That's you were one of those uppity, yeah, the she was one of those uppity guys, yeah, yeah, right, bourgeoisie. A lot, of kids, <laughs> a lot of kids lived in town, a lot of my friends lived in the projects, but they, we didn't think of much projects for poor people, because back then, uh, poor people didn't represent themselves as poor. You couldn't tell whether a black person was poor or not. Amen to that. Now, you can tell when a white person is poor. Yeah. But not black people. Mm -hmm. You're right. Hey, you know, I, you just bring up an interesting point. And they've all, they, you didn't wear. There was no. You know, you, you made some attempt to, at the very least, not. Uh, you well, know, you not not look like you were poor. Now that didn't mean that you had to go out and buy the riches of the rich by no stretch of the imagination. But you just. No, you didn't. Yeah, you just you just didn't you. In you, the wintertime, you you wore your coat. Yeah. And you, they didn't know what you had up under there. That's right. But you make yourself look presentable. That's so, all there's to it. So how do you solve but, this? Yeah. Uh, Rip, I'm going to tell you this. And uh, a lot of people might not agree with it. I don't care. But the thing of it is, the Bible said, train up a child is the way it should go, and he would not depart from it when he's old. That doesn't mean that he's an old man. That means when he's a mature. Hmm. He would not depart from it. Because everybody strayed off the trail 
but it's just a certain thing, place that you wouldn't go. Got a question for you. Uh, is your pastor from uh, Jackson County, the area you're in? No, he's not from there. Uh, he's from uh, uh, South Carolina. Okay. All right, Miss Faye. Uh-huh, but, but he lives here, you know. Right. He's moved in. Where are we going to be? All right. Appreciate it. I think you need to check that, though. And Like, I have no stats to back it up, but I just wonder. The old community preacher has seemed to be gone now for whatever reason. I mean, I, of course, needs to say you know, Martin Luther King was not from uh, Montgomery, uh, but he did start there in Atlanta, uh, and uh, so did C.L. Franklin and others. So I, I just, I'm curious as to whether it helps when you have a local pastor. Uh, to have some concern about what happening happening in the community around you, as opposed to just the church. Can I get? Uh, I'm sorry, Bobby. Got to push Miss uh, Felicia to the front of the class. Good morning. Good morning. I have to say that I agree with everybody who says gun access, education, environment, all that stuff sounds good. I'm going to go with you on some of that. There's um, poverty is the real key, but there's also more ideas available. Let's not pretend people. We watch TV. Listen, bell bottoms, big afros, and all of that, that came from TV. And the more ideas you put into people's heads, the more you're going to see them reacting to it. We did have interdependency in that time, and there was more self-reliance, which means there was more self-value of the community in which you lived. You needed Miss Aldi, my grandmother, if she had a car to take you to the hospital. If somebody had a telephone, you used the telephone. There was more interdependency because people relied on each other, we valued each other more. Now people don't need that. They're all in their own little hoods with their, uh, everybody has the money to just go their own way. There's no value on the community itself. But I also wanted to point out one important thing about the mayhem. And that's The Godfather, which is still one of the most loved movies for some strange reason in this country. And it is about that poverty. And it is about how they recruit people into these ideals and how they create mayhem. Unfortunately, in our communities, I can't find anything organized. Hmm. But it's still coming from that root issue. People who do not have money, who want the things they see on TV, they're trying to get them. They're going, if they have guns, they're going to try to take it. They're turning on each other for it. It's petty. Tennis shoes. Remember the tennis shoes? They were killing people for tennis shoes yeah. at one time. Yeah. I mean, there's so many issues here. And the only way you're going to change it is to change the environment itself. How and, do you and do save that? save those who really want to be saved. Save you, the people. You're going to find people there who are getting straight A's. They're doing good. Get them early while you can. From that environment. Mm, all right. That's my advice. Thank you. Hmm. Um, to be said. Sometimes you can't go home. Sometimes the place where you where you're living is not a good place for your children. Simply that I, I hear you loud and clear. Um, but there also has to be, I, I think, a a community effort, the so-called village effort. Let's go to the uh, go to the the chat room here. Uh, uh, well, a comment on the on the Facebook page before we go back there. RJ says because most don't want to listen, and that starts early on with the lack of parent discipline at the time. See, this boys uh, these boys need their ass whipped. I bet most haven't, and that's the problem. 
U.S. gun death surged 35% in 2020, higher for African-American people here, according to the CDC. Sapphire said, uh, again, uh, mayhem um, on, in the chat room. Galloway says, self-hate and a false sense of gangsterism. Avon says, the lack of respect for life, availability to guns, desensitization to violence, uh, lack of responsibility in rearing our children as a community, I believe attributes to gun violence. No one's really addressed the will, though, the will to do it. You know, I, I just, I wonder, that will, um, here, you got a 17-year-old boy, go and shoot up the, uh, shoot up the Mudbug Festival there in Jackson. He's accompanied by other teenagers. Mm -hmm. So where did the will to do that come from? It's not a commentary on all young 17-year-olds. It's just this, you know, this in and by itself is worthy of a study. Yeah. You know, to say, well, okay, so why, what is the motive here? And, and often when you hear this, the drive-bys here and there, we'll just say, oh, it's gang activity. Well, what is the real motive? What uh, do these young people come forward to say, well, you know, this person uh, threatened me, this person, uh, you know. What, what's the motive? And why did you seek lethal force as opposed to some other kind of confrontation? Bobby, good morning. Hey, good morning, Rip. Yes, sir. Well, when it comes to this problem, I, I just don't see how you going to be able to change it. It's just a new generation, man. We can sit here all day and say, well, you know, I hear the people, some of the people, say, well, let the child go live with his daddy. Eh, okay, go live with his daddy. That don't mean that the problem going to change, you know. That don't mean that he ain't going to talk back to his daddy. He ain't going to disrespect his daddy. You know, some of them may not, but some going to be. It, 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 you got kids raising kids. Grandma is, what, 30, 32, and now these days, they young. They still want to party, hang out. So it's it's just the generation that we're living in now. So we should throw our hands up I, and say, what the heck? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we should throw our hands up, but I, I think the problem is never going to be solved or fixed completely, but you can curve it where it can get a little bit better, but I don't see it 100% getting fixed. Well, here, here is what you have. You realize it's getting worse. It was a time when it was not nearly this bad. We weren't having this conversation. During the days when Harrison Klebo was shooting up Columbine, the the sh shooting of African-American children, uh, I mean, the homicide rate, was not where it is now involving this age group. In other words, we're getting younger and younger African-Americans who are now uh, committing gun violence, is my point. Uh, I 100% I, I agree with you. So, and, and my whole but it wasn't like that before. So, in other words, what was the transition, Is I guess, is can we go back and say, when, 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 it become, when, when did this become vogue that some 17, 18, 19-year-old, 15-year-old? Um, I'll tell you when. My personal belief, I can tell you when. When the government gave these kids all these rights, when the government gave the kids the right, you can't touch them, you can't do this. When the government gave them and they do all these rights, that's when all this curbed. So mm. my, that's just my little belief on it. All right, appreciate you calling, Bobby. Witness you next. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Rip. Um, I feel that there are a few uh, components that are uh, leading our youth down the wrong road. And one of the main ones is the parents. You know, uh, where we have an appearance of success and 
what success means has totally changed over the last 10 years. You see people now who open $100,000 businesses and are celebrating it and haven't made dollar one. You know, we're taught to react in emotive, in an emotive condition. That's a problem. We're not taught to be humble. We, we can't be humiliated. And then to top it all off, uh, a lot of these children are disillusioned, and that also is due to the parents. There was a study that came out this week about 2022 college graduates and uh, how most of them overestimated what their earning uh, potential would be once they finished college. They overestimated their income by 80%. <laughs> and this was 88% of the people who graduated think, thinking they were going to be making $150,000 a year when they're going to be making forty five when they get out. So allowing that with these parents, the par- everybody wants to build a winner now. But winners are made, but the parents don't make them. Life makes them. Uh, coping with things fundamentally well makes a winner. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, uh, um, so uh, tie this all in. Working so, harder than everybody else makes winners. So tie this all in. So tie this all in with the with the gun violence now. Well, I, I, I saw about six or seven videos this this uh, weekend that were just on the ads on YouTube. Young black males from different uh, locations across America. Every one of them was talking about killing, shooting in your house, getting the bag. You know, all of the things that real gangsters don't talk about. And like I talk, told, uh, we spoke about so, last So it was an ad? You know, these, uh, th- now, these were ads? Uh, I'm not, I'm not seeing ads. You know, between Facebook, on, on, on YouTube, they have ads, and sometimes oh. it'll be somebody that bought a spot for their song or something really? like that. But really? all of these songs were under the same premise. Yeah. And um, So you think, so you think you that's know, the motivating? You just spoke about Young Thug and these guys, and like I said, they want to rap about it and then live it. Yeah. Uh, you know, where real people who are criminals definitely don't incriminate themselves. Yeah. And ironically, the FBI is using the very lyrics out of these people's records to put RICO charges on them. Yeah, so, there's so no doubt about that. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate your call. I just, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to tie it all together as far as the, the wheel to, to do this. So you think so, these so, parents don't know how to build successful people because you can't. So, so what, everybody can't be a success. All right, so what I'm asking, yeah, I, everybody's not a gangster. I understand, brother. You don't have to shout. Everybody's not a bad bitch. Witness. That's just the way it goes. All right, so you don't have to shout, but I'm trying to understand. You know, if we agree that okay, it's a parental problem, no doubt. Now, that said, you you still have an individual here who is making that decision. So if you're suggesting that the parents are, are promoting that decision or are you saying that they are not, uh, let me just tell you, there are, there are many parents who don't have a clue that their uh, juvenile is, is armed first and foremost, secondly, would do such a thing. I mean, we've had several. I, I believe uh, innately that we're, we're born with a knowledge of bad things, but we have to, yeah. as parents, teach our children the right, right way to do things. And like I, we said many times on this show, our parents only based our lives off right and wrong. And everything else came from that. 
So, but these parents now, right and wrong, is succeeding and having more than the next person. And give me eighteen hundred dollars tennis shoes that these kids don't have that they really can't afford. That yeah. they saw on Facebook that the people on Facebook can't afford. So, you know, it's a lot of nonsense being created on the emotive sides of, of things, and a lot of that is, uh, you know, uh, they want a microwave lifestyle. Well, right. I'm a rapper year and get two million dollars and everything's gonna be okay. But right. you know, uh, we have to. Do the work and then count the income. And yeah, got to move on, uh, witness. Can't say I disagree, but but I I don't I wish I could find this person that opened a hundred thousand dollar business and not make a dime. I don't know about that. I don't know what that has to to do with it. I, I do think that we as society, your time, my time, whatever time, have always had people who were stunting now, people living above their means. I mean, uh, what was it, The Temptations or maybe the OJs did a song about can't keep up with the Joneses. So it's always, you've always had that, people living above their means. Uh, but I think you make some legitimate points, no doubt, about individuals who are who have displaced priorities, no doubt. Can I go to, is it Tony? Tony's next. Tony, good morning. Hey, how you doing today, Mr. Dane? Doing good, bro. All right, so like I was telling, bro, um... I think it's the three things that raise the kids today, the reason why it's so bad. You know, 94 crime bill, most of the fathers went to prison or whatever. Most? So mothers, was mothers, most. Not no. all, no. most. Not a even few. Most. Not even most. A few. Bro. Not even most. I mean, if you look at the numbers, man, I, all right, bro, you're That's right. I'm at. just saying. Okay. A few, a few went to prison. Okay. So that forced mama to stay at home to work and go get a job. So mama bought that video game, the music, and the TV. All demonstrate violence. All three. So, I mean, if you sit there and program this in a person's mind for so long, well, I mean, what do you think they're going to do? Well, I, I don't think that they'll go out and shoot somebody. Video games and TV has been around for quite some time, and if that were the case, right, so I mean, my, some of the major so, so gamers. My uncle, so my uncle, he is, he's a Marine, all right? He say Vietnam or whatever, they had them watch this little black and white movie, and you just sit there, and, and you hear these people hollering, and, and it's just like this, this flash and just, and it's mind control. It's the program. That's why it's called tell lie vision, to tell lies to your vision. So if you see on TV, every show you turn on, oh, man, he just killed him. Oh, man, I played a video game. Do, 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 do. Man, I can go shoot out him. I can sell drugs in the video game. I can steal a car in the video game. I can shoot the police in the video game. I mean, I see it on TV in the music. Young thug, man, go shoot the police. NWA, hey, F the police. I mean, you hear it. What you think we're going to do? I ain't never did that. All right. Appreciate you calling, Tony. Um, I guess some, some young people are more influenceable. Can't doubt that. But maybe what he's saying is, and I, I can't say I disagree, is he, it, that we've legitimized gangsterism. I mean, I've actually heard Charlemagne actually do the same. Like, okay, what you going to do? If you're, if you're hungry, you're going to go out and snatch a purse. Well, no, <laughs> you ain't got to snatch no purse. Well, well, I mean, and even that. You go fishing. Even, well, yeah, good fish too. Even that, I think, is is kind of misattributed. We we heard the Godfather invoked earlier. Mm -hmm. There is no greater uh, uh, glorification, glamoration. It's a, it's a cautionary tale for sure. But that was here already. 
that was here long before gangster rap. The gangster mentality, once upon a time in, in, in America, all of these films and even even songs, I mean, we just heard gangster R&B with Stagger Lee. That was a gangster song. That was about two dudes shooting dice, another dude shot the dude because he lost to the dude. In 1957, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, that that I, 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 I hear that, but I think that, yeah, we might have taken it or definitely took it to another degree, uh, uh, a highest degree. But that was already here. And to Tony's points, I played every single Grand Theft Auto that has come out since the first one, the top-down version on the computer. I've not shot anyone ever. Not a, not a single desire to. This idea that we're so easily programmed and led, I think, has some basis in the fact that, that it's a possibility. But I think that that, too, is a cop-out. Hmm. 228-896-9455. Ashley, you're next. Good morning, Ashley. Hi. Hi, Ashley. How y'all doing today? Doing great, Miss Ashley. I'm doing good. Uh, I just want to speak on the fact that what you were saying earlier about the music, but also what the gentleman on the phone was just saying not too long ago. Mm-hmm. See, the thing is, it's not even just the fact that, you know, we basically just allow gangster rhythm to just take over and whatnot. It's the fact that the old school folks are not around anymore. They dying off. And so you got the young folks who take their own idea of how, you know, the organization to be and what they're supposed to do and all that. Yeah, it's a lot of, it's really messed up. Hmm. Like, you got the men not want to do what men supposed to do. They're not here in the household. You got the women. Women, we just doing what we can do best. So it gets a little messed up for everybody. And yeah. So young boys and young girls growing up. Yeah, Nobody's but, thinking about the fact that all the music nowadays are the same. And then on top of that, why we got to keep listening to the same thing all the time? Why yeah, but, nobody want to rap about their life instead of the same thing everybody and their friends rapping about? Yeah, but Miss Ashley, I want you to know why you're saying that. I want you to know that there you have right now um, as many, if not more, African-Americans going to college as you have going to jail. I mean, mm-hmm. as in other words... What I'm sharing with you is that, yeah, you, you're right. That you hear this rap and you hear what's going on and, and you describe what is happening in some households. But most households are uh, are graduating folks from high school. Actually, you you got more African-Americans graduating from high school now than what you had when I was in high school. So, uh, you and know. Yeah, now that you see that more of us are going to college, you got to also stop and think about it. They see that we're going to college, we're trying to have a business for ourselves, we're trying to do this for ourselves. They make it harder for us. Harder for who? It doesn't matter what we do. We can come up and we can go back down. They still going to find every way to try to bring us down, bring it into the community, mess up the community even more. Well, there's and no. Then we as people, we don't even think about getting together and try to unite and make things better. It's yeah. always about blue, this, red, this, purple, everything new. Right, I hear. In other words, there's a lot of division uh, within that that community. I, I can't say I disagree with that, but uh, you know there is, you know, never once think that 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 is the the commonality is that it's all about gangster because it's not. It gets a lot of attention because of what happens is so outrageous. I'm curious, as a young lady, as a young lady, Ashley, how do you see your life uh, in this environment for the next? 10 years where do you think you'll be it's not who i think i'll be i know that i'm gonna be somebody great i care about my community a lot i'm not even from here and the thing is 
everywhere I go, I every community I walk into, the first thing that comes to my head is, yo, I just want to help everybody out around me. I want to see everybody else do great. Just like if I can do great, why can't I help the next person do great instead of tearing somebody else down? You got the music and you got the music videos. You see people, yeah, somebody become rich, they become famous, or they, you know, they get a degree, have a good job, and you got the next person beside them want to tear them down. Like jealousy, jealousy is a really bad trait. And then it's not even really about jealousy. Some people just feel left out, and nobody want to sit here and think about, hey, let me lift my brothers up, let me lift my sister up. Nobody does that no more. All right, Miss Ashley, appreciate you calling. Don't be a stranger. Glad you're here. You know, I will say that when I look at, like, Young Thug and some other individuals in the rap game, what you have are young men who don't know how to handle money. You know, you really have to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to do that. I mean, when you first get your first $10,000 as a young man, you just think you're rich and you can you think that you're the only one on earth. You need to talk to, some, to someone who has gotten $10,000 and they will tell you that's no, that's not enough. $100,000 not enough. A million's not enough. When it comes down to your thinking that highly of yourself and that you can do whatever you want to do. I, I've, I've seen, I've talked to a lot of rappers, I mean, way back. I mean, Master P and I hung out right there on Victory Street in Hansboro when he was doing his movie at Gunzo Flex Studio, which was right next door to my parents' house, by the way. And... um he was one of the smartest ones, and still is, uh, because he had some tutelage. You know, it's a heck of a thing when a when a young when a person, any person, were to get their hand on a piece of cash that they didn't think they'd ever have. They don't know how to act when you have this. So how do you act when you get ten thousand? Oh, let's give it away. Let's go ahead and party. Let's uh, you know, make it rain. And then all of a sudden, you don't have it. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, what happened to my money? Well, you just gave it all away. You blew it. You find that a lot with uh, in in the so-called rap game, and and unfortunately, Miss Ashley, there are those who don't want to listen to OGs who know that it's fleeting. That your whatever fame you have now won't last forever, and you can't spend it all in one sitting. And you've got to you, now. It's the time when you get a little coin. You need to need to do something more than go to the strip club, or go and treat your boys at the club. But you know. Uh, uh, style or whatever, whatever the going champagne is now. Um, having wealth or having making money is is easy. Keeping money, keeping money is a challenge. And people who are wealthy or people who are quote unquote rich get that. You will never be rich if you don't know how to spend. We'll be back. Get the info. Get the info. Stay informed. It's a new day with Rip Daniels. The number one talk show in South Mississippi on Jay-Z 94.5. Nope. Yep. 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 Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Ever told on a... Nope. Ever squeezed a trigger? Yep. Ever said a... Nope. Ever helped a brother out when he was down on his yep. luck? You a sap? Nope. You a boss player? You a Mac? Yep. Let me hold a couple dollars. Nope. Y'all still be popping y'all collars? Yep. Stock rims on the scrape. Nope. Paint wetter All than right, folks, good morning yep. to you. Rip Daniels cool here. Nope. Thank you for joining us. Uh, show is called It's a New Day. There's only one rule. No such thing as a right or wrong opinion here. Good morning, Corpus Christi. Um, and my friends listening right now in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, in the house. 
All right. I want to go uh, quickly to the phones and Trip. Trip, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, Yeah, say? I used to call you a long time ago when you was in the closet. <laughs> oh, but in the I'm closet. First, Excuse me? What was that, Trip? When you, mu- you, were, you, when must- you first started the show. Oh, oh! You mean when I was, we were first broadcasting from the um, from the 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 location that, that used to be the um, what was that the uh, on on Conway, is that you're talking about, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, very good. I was about to say it was in the closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that this broadcast started in the, actually it was in the closet of a of a building that I bought that I used to go to kindergarten in. Thank you for reminding me of that trip. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm gonna just get to the point. At first, the boys, teenage boys, and boys in general, in my opinion, you and Roy Wright. At first, a boy, when they hit puberty, or about to go through puberty, they make a choice. I made a choice when I went through that. Friends were getting earrings. I said, I'm not getting one. I said, if I want one. When I turn 18 or 21, I'll get one. I don't have one. Did you? Was your mom and dad there when you made that choice trip? My mom was there and my stepfather was there, who was there since I was five. What? My father was still alive, but we didn't have a good relationship. But here, here's my question for you. So it was a decision that you could have made. Would they have allowed you to get an earring and whatever else? Yes, sir. If I asked, because I made the honor roll. Oh, well, very good. Okay. So, so what was the difference, Trip? What What made you go a different way? I just looked around and made a choice. They would talk about kids that went away to the bad boy home. How old were you? That meant. How old are you now, Trip? I'm fifty. Oh my 58. goodness! Oh, you going back, bro? <laughs> so yeah, you you wouldn't make it. You 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 make. You, you, you're looking at a, a time, of course I say that, but you, that was right when uh, hip-hop, gangster rap was actually starting to come out. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, well, that's interesting. Appreciate your calling, Trip. Can I go to uh, Jay right here? Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Mr. Daines. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, I just want to call in and comment on today's youth. Um, I'm a former public high school teacher back in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent a lot of time with them. And one thing that I will say, I think it's very, very lazy when we kind of put it on a generational thing. Because even when you think about it, there's a 94 crime bill that was supported by Democrats, black people, clergy, unanimously, um, because they felt like the state of our youth was so bad that they had to do something. And that was before any of these kids were even thought of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think it's just, I think it, there's an evolution to it. Uh, but I don't think it's really generational because we've kind of been going down this path. I will say I think the leading thing just being around them is the lack of understanding of the possibilities that they have, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. And what I mean by that, most of, the, most of these kids, you think about the areas in which all this crime is happening, you, the correlation is poverty uh, and resources. And so most of these kids stay in the same areas their entire lives. And so all that they know is what they see. And if you see a lot of crime, if you see a lot of poverty, you're going to adapt and take on that role. And it just brings me to, like, Governor Reeves last week 
as he's talking about how bad the youth are and in, in, in the crime is in Jackson, he's vetoing projects that would beautify and help Jackson out at the same time. Yeah. And there has to be some something that goes with helping the area out so they can help the overall good. Like putting more police and all their stuff on the street won't help them because they're just not getting exposed to the amount of possibilities and the things that they can truly do out here because all they see is what they actually see. So let me try this on you, Jay. I'm looking at the CDC stats here, and, of course, they were prohibited from uh, when Donald John was in office from maintaining these stats. But according to them, um, what we're looking at is a 35% increase among African Americans, which which leads to the fact that after the 94 crime bill, and if you look at FBI stats, it will show that uh, that crime dissipated. I mean, it went, the homicides and gun violence went down significantly. It was only as in the last since, well, <laughs> with, with the election of President Barack Obama and the increase in the purchase of guns. I mean, they're, they're, I'm looking at the correlation of when gun purchases went out to Wazoo, um, by especially Caucasians, to be quite frank, it is assumed, and and when homicide sides start to increase. In other words, when the number of weapons started ending up on the streets of America, approximately three to six per person, some estimates show, the number of homicides and gun violence started going up. That includes suicides, which is uh, more than 50% of those gun, uh, the gun violence. So I guess what I'm, what I'm, with, with your saying what you're saying, I, I, what comes to my mind is, okay, so now you, it went down after the 94 crime bill. What made it go up? And why is it, why, and why is it going up now? In 2020, listen, listen to this. Uh, gun deaths surged 35% in 2020. That's just 2020, highest among African Americans. Uh, among African Americans, the rate 26.6 deaths per 100,000. That's 39.5% increase over 20, 2019. Why? It's still lower than what it was before the 94 crime bill, I might add. Significantly lower. Mr. Daniels, I will say I would agree with you with, the, and there is a correlation between guns, but when you look at the violence that's being committed in these inner city areas, they're not committing them with legal guns. They're all committing them with mostly stolen guns. That's right. And so you have you have that, that fluctuation of guns on the streets, and then you have now there's more access for these individuals who are going to go out and do something for them because they're going in people's cars. That's, really, that's primarily what they're looking for. They're looking for money and weapons. So they're going to these people cars and getting these weapons and committing these crimes and then passing these weapons along each other. So, yeah, I mean, I'm the a, I'm a person who I thoroughly believe in gun rights, but I also, in the same token, believe that there are way too many guns on the streets right now. Mm. All right, brother. Appreciate you calling, Jay. There's no doubt about that. I mean, <clears throat> I'm looking at this here, folks. Listen, listen to this. 18.8 million, the estimated number of guns sold in 2021. 11.3 million handguns and 7.5 million long guns. That's based on data from the National Instant Criminal Background Check. Oh, you want something else? I, I, I've got another stat for you that I think you'll find uh, most in, in, intriguing. Let me see uh, the number of stolen weapons. Let's see. The number of people killed in schools shooting. Okay, no. It would be, oh, the uh, share of gun dealers with violations. Uh... 
I'm going to give you the number that uh, that has been estimated by of, of those guns that are stolen. Uh, oh, here it is right here. The number of guns recovered from crime scenes in 2020 that had been purchased less than seven months earlier. Okay, 68,000. I'm going to, when I come back, I'm going to give you the number of guns and ghost guns that have uh, been used that were stolen. We'll be back. Get the info. Get the info. Stay informed. It's a new day with Rip Daniels. The number one talk show in South Mississippi on Jay-Z 94.5. Something for my God, Sandy Lies, and a little girl named Kareem. Some say the black of the bed, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the. All right, folks, good morning to you. Rip Daniels here. Thank you for joining us. The show is called It's a New Day. There's only one rule, no such thing as a right or wrong opinion. Uh, good morning to my friends right now in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, <clears throat> these stats are out from the CDC, and it, it's very, very bleak, um, especially for 2020. 2021 uh, saw a serious gun violence among African Americans, especially, up 35%. 7.1% of the, I'm sorry, 7.1 per 100,000 is the rate of suicide. Did you know that the United States has the highest gun suicide rate in the world? You know now. Um, and then there's this, at least uh, 51 51 of the deaths in 2021 were transgender. That's right, non-conforming people, as they have described. Most of the homicides were committed with guns, and the majority of the victims were African-American, Latino, and or women. Then there are the ghost guns. Um, 200 ghost guns uh, were basically out of New York through November. They recovered. What are ghost guns? These are guns that are made at your at your leisure. You order the parts, you put it together in your house, and there is no serial number, unfortunately. The number surpassed. The uh, 145 police department uh, had recovered uh, back in 2019. Um, and I thought I had a number here, according to Trace, on the number of uh, stolen weapons. It's hidden somewhere in this stack of stuff. Uh, most of those uh, weapons that are used in homicides are, in fact, stolen. Most of the guns used in suicides are not. Let's go to Miss Jasmine. Miss Jasmine, yeah, good morning. Uh, Hi, Miss Jasmine. Hey, how you doing, Rip? I'm doing good, Miss Jasmine. Um, I was calling because I wanted to really um, shed light on this situation. And I think I wanted to shed light on it just because I, I'm not going to say I live it, but at the same time, I, um, I'm around a lot of the um, younger males that are living that life of gun violence. Okay. And so I, a couple of weeks ago, I asked one of them, I said, I said, bro, what, how can you go out and have to look over your back? Like, what do you actually be thinking of when you guys are shooting each it's something that I want to know because I am 35, so I'm not in that generation. I mean, we, you know, back then, you know, we would fight or whatever, but right. we would always kind of live to see another day, you yeah. know. So the one thing he told me, he said, sis, I'm not even going to lie. He said, social media does it all the time. He really? says, if I'm, on so if I'm on social media... And I see if I see if I'm beefing with somebody or whatever, and I see that they saying what they gonna do to me the next time they see me or whatever the case may be, I'm gonna try to get them before they get me. 
Whoa. So they're getting the warning signs from social media and they take it literally. Someone beefing with them saying that they're going to kill them or shoot them. And they actually probably showing guns and everything else. Huh? Huh? So how would you, so how do you, how would you, what was your response to him with that? My, my response to him was, what is the issue? What is the beef? What is so bad out there that you guys can't even go out and enjoy going to parties and social events? Something that I was able to do when I was younger. I was able to go to social events and and come back home, but they, they can't do that. And he told me, he told he when he told me that, and I and I responded with it. I told him that. You can't live in the now. You have to take a step back. And this is because I've, I've learned that. Yeah. You have to take a step back. You have to take that one second to step back because the choices you make dictate the life you live. All right, Miss Jasmine. Hang on. I want to get your number. I'd like to chat with you more. Miss Lolita, not much time. Hey, good afternoon. <clears throat> Guns and violence is nothing new. This has been on this um, continent since the colonizers. What's going on and sad to say is a lot of these individuals out here can't understand that what you listen to and see you become. They don't know how to differentiate some of these individuals to feed their mind positive mindsets when you're in a situation where you see it's nothing but guns and violence. All right, Ms. Lolita, um, got to move on. Sorry, Mr. Mike, not much time, five seconds. Hey, it's not a cop-out role when this, all these kids know. What is a cop-out is the 94 crime bill. It's called a crime bill, not an innocent bill. If you weren't doing a crime, you didn't have to do the time. Well, that's why that's why lives were saved as a result of the crime bill. But if you don't know where you're going, anybody will take you there. 